Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Institute for Policy Innovation podcast. We're coming to you today from the studios of Salem Media Group in Dallas, Texas. I'm Tom Giovanetti, president of the Institute for Policy Innovation. Today's January 11th, 2024, our first podcast of 2024. And I'm joined in studio today by IPI's resident scholar, Dr. Merrill Matthews. And today we're going to talk about a recent piece that Dr. Matthews wrote about how EVs will strand cold state drivers. And Dr. Matthews, we're recording this podcast as even those of us in Texas Mm -hmm. are looking forward next week to a polar vortex that is going to hit much of the country and is going to drive temperatures down to below typical winter levels for a lot of Americans. Right. We could be in the 11, 12 degrees here in yeah. in Dallas, and you could be much, much colder in those northern states. And so this is somewhat, uh, somewhat relevant because of that cold, but even absent a polar vortex, if you think about states like, you know, North Dakota, even Iowa, you mm-hmm. know, I mean, for, I mean, for the Iowa caucus, my understanding is that the windshield is going to be below freezing, right. you know, coming up next week. So there's a lot of states in the country where they really do having to deal with the serious cold is a is a regular routine part of their lives. My in-laws are from Iowa, and it was not uncommon for them to hit below zero, I mean, below zero temperatures, mm-hmm. minus 10, minus 15 degrees at some times in the winter. And many of them have to use like block heaters right. on their com- internal combustion engine cars. Uh, just to keep it from just the oil from thickening to a to a slag, you right. know. Uh, but you point out in this recent piece that EVs are particularly affected That's by cold right. weather. So several states are essentially mandating the shift to electric vehicles in the near future, and voters in those states are going to be very unhappy when those mandated EVs and they are they're using those in winters and they realize how they affect, that cold weather affects battery performance. Now, this is, it's interesting because under Section 177 of the Clean Air Act, states must either adhere to federal vehicle emission standards or adopt California's more stringent standards. And California has been stringent, and they want to be even more so. So California's current policy on, for all new cars, SUVs and light trucks, sold within the state must emit zero tailpipe emissions by 2035 and that they're going to phase that in. So the state's advanced clean cars to rule requires zero emission vehicles to represent 35% of new cars and light trucks um, by 2026. That jumps up to 68% by 2030. And then by 2035, 100% of new cars, light trucks, SUVs, have to be zero tailpipe emissions. So that means a large percentage of people in California are going to have to have essentially uh, electric vehicles as we move forward. And now 17 17 states have generally followed California's emission guidelines. Ten states uh, have, nine states I think it is, has essentially embraced it completely and are going to do exactly what California wants to do. Some states are going to give themselves a little wiggle room. But here's these states that have essentially said we're going to follow them exactly. Connecticut, Maryland, Massachusetts, New uh, New Jersey, New York, Oregon, Rhode Island, and Washington State. So they're going to follow the same timeline as, as California. If those states sound, if there's one thing in common, those are all northern states. 
Massachusetts, Maryland, and so forth. These are New Jersey. These are uh, far north states that get very, very cold. Yeah, winters. they don't. They don't have nearly the temperate climate of the California regulators that they are deferring to. Right. <laughs> That's absolutely right. Because one of the problems with EVs is that when the weather gets colder, the batteries that they run on become less efficient, and they begin to lose some of their ability to be able to take people various distances. That actually is that that drain on the battery increases when you get uh, into cold weather. If you pull, use the heater, the electric, uh, the radio, or anything else. So it's a or the lights. Anything that draws on the battery reduces the battery function in that time. So a group called Recurrent, and this is these are these are pro EV um, uh, pro EV uh, research website. They looked at eighteen popular EV models and analyzed their um, uh, their battery usage in cold weather. At, um, at fr- the freezing temperature, 32 degrees, the average, lo- the average EV loses about 70% of its battery uh, ability. So in, when you, once you hit freezing, you lose about 70%. Wow. So that's a, that's a fairly that's big a reduction. Bit, right. Especially given the fact that probably the main resistance to buying EVs at this point is concerns about range. Right. Uh, to range and also power stations and so forth. So you lose battery efficiency as the weather gets colder, and then you lose even more so if you're using various things in there that draw on the battery. But Recurrent went further, and they they, uh, listed several of the models at their their, uh, limitation reduction, their efficiency reduction. So I'll I'll just list some of these. The uh, The Hyundai Kona normally will get, according to this, about 325 miles. Uh, to a battery charge, but they lose 24% at freezing. Uh, the Ford F-150 Lightning, that's a popular truck. It normally has about 280 miles. It loses 26%. Um, the Ford Mustang Mach-E, this is supposed to be kind of a hot electric mm-hmm. car. So it normally has about uh, 200, uh, excuse me, 260 miles. It loses uh, 34%, I think. Uh, but when you get down to the Chevy Bolt, it only gets about 250 miles. It loses 42% of it. The, mm. tes- the Tesla uh, Model X has about 180 uh, miles to it, but it loses uh, 24%. And then when you get down to something like the Nissan Leaf, uh, the older model, it, no, it has a very small range, only about oh, 80 miles, and it loses 34% of its range. And then the Volkswagen ID4, uh, it has about 250 miles normally, but it loses 46% of its range when it go when it gets to freezing. And of course, the, one of the points we make is it gets a lot colder than freezing in some of these yes, northern states. Absolutely. It can easily get down in the single digits, zero or sometimes even less. And in fact, in in some of these areas, it may rarely get above freezing. Right for much of the winter. So you have this this real reduction in the EV battery uh, performance. And, of course, the, the, they point out that once the weather warms back up, this doesn't harm the battery. Right. Once the weather bar- warms back up and the battery can function in more uh, moderate temperatures, it's fine again. But if you're in these, cold, in these cold weather areas and you're there for a while, you're going to have a real battery problem. So the obvious point here is that EVs might be more appropriate in some parts of the country than in others. Right. Right. And so this sort of takes us to this idea of consumer choice, right? Mm-hmm. 
And, you know, we at IPI, we, we have never been opposed to EVs or any other kind of green technological innovation. What we're opposed to is government mandates forcing consumers to buy something that they don't want to do. Right. Either by restricting supply or by mandating manufacture by, by manufacturers and that sort of thing. If you live in northern Minnesota or you live in Maine or New York or New Jersey and you uh, your place of work is, you know, a, a mile away, a couple of miles away, down the block or something like that, and you want to have an EV, you're probably fine with that. Mm-hmm. But what's happening is the states are mandating that these that EVs become more prevalent as time moves on. And so at some point, you're not going to have a choice. You're going to have to have an electric vehicle. And then you've got a real problem if you've got serious driving that you need to do because you uh, you drive several miles to take kids to school mm-hmm. or to go to work or you have to make some deliveries or something of that nature. You're going to have a struggle with electric vehicles. It strikes me that it's not unlike, I mean, it's just sort of common sense, that in the South and Southwest, it's not that uncommon for people to outfit a home with simply a heat pump. Right. Because a heat pump doesn't generate as much heat as a gas or oil burning furnace, but it's usually more than adequate and it's efficient, you know, for areas of the country that don't get all that cold. But you would never try to outfit a home with only a heat pump in the far northern parts of the country because it's just, it ain't up to the job. Mm-hmm. You've got to have an oil burning furnace or a gas or propane burning furnace. And so it strikes me as a similar similar thing, that it's just common sense that there are some parts of the country where certain technologies make more sense and other parts of the country where they make less sense. Uh, and, and, of course, this is the problem with, like, the Biden administration trying to force a nationwide mandate on the whole country, failing to take into account that different things are appropriate for different parts of the country, for different states. I mean, if you live in, you know, where is it, International Falls, Minnesota, that always mm-hmm. seems to have, like, the lowest temperature, you know, uh, of any place in the country— I mean, you've got to build your life around having dependable transport that you can count on if it's 30 below. Right. And you got to take somebody to the hospital. You know, you don't want to say, oh, well, you know, um, battery's dead <laughs> <laughs> on my two-year-old EV that I was forced to buy, you know, by the by the federal government. Uh, so a lot of this is just common sense. And it, it's also sort of, a, if we back up a little bit, it's a reminder that this is one of the reasons why markets are superior you know, bottom-up consumer-driven markets are superior to top-down government mandate. Yeah. Because letting people choose for themselves what's right for them uh, is going to give you a better result to sort of across the board than having the government, some bureaucrats from the top-down, decreeing what's best for everybody. Right. And what what really surprised me is of the states that said we are following the same timeline as California— they're all northern states. Yeah, Most yeah. of them are, are sort of blue-leaning states that tend to want to virtue signal about how much right. we are trying to save the uh, the planet by uh, eliminating tailpipe emissions. But you're going to create some real problems for people in those states if you end up forcing them. Most of them, or virtually all of them, to have a um, electric vehicle because those batteries are just not going to work that well. Now, they're working on battery technology. Yeah, I, I was just going to say. These batteries are just not up to it, right. or, or they're deficient in that way. Uh, you, you certainly, we we know that there's all sorts of experimentation going on into different battery technologies, mm-hmm. and you you sort of have this impression that we're still a couple of breakthroughs away from from to the point where an EV is as reliable and as simple as we want it to be, and has as much range as we as we need without being sub- subject to these huge you know 
drop-offs in performance. So some of those batteries, by the time you get to 2030, 2035, some of those batteries may be may have better range and performance in cold weather. Mm. My guess is cold weather is going to always affect them unless you really come up with some kind of major new technology. But uh, at, at least right now, people are looking at the uh, the problem of the federal government, or at least the state, saying you have got to adopt these new technologies and we want to reduce tailpipe emissions. And that could mean that you're going to be stuck if you have distances to drive when it gets really cold. And I just I can't help but go back to my point about voluntary adoption rather than force you know, government mandates. This is one of the things about new technologies is that consumers know when a new technology is ready for adoption. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Based on their budget and based on their lifestyle, they know. They know when it, when when something, that, you know, there are people who like to be early adopters. There right. are people who raced out to buy the very first Priuses when they came out on the market. There are people who like to be early adopters, and that's great. There are also people who are like, you know, I'm going to wait a while until this is a proven technology, until the prices come down, until the reliability goes up, et cetera, et cetera. And again, this is part of the superior, superiority of consumers making those decisions rather than bureaucrats from the top down. And, you know, one of the problems with electric vehicles right now is they just don't meet the needs of so many consumers, right. which is why the, the sales stay quite low, mm. uh, to much to the, the chagrin of the Biden administration. But between chargers, being able to find chargers, if you were in really cold weather and you had to go pick up grandma who is in the next town over and you your EV battery just didn't last that long, you might have to stand even longer to try to get the char- the battery charged up because it doesn't work as well in cold weather. So it's, it's a problem that the government's mandating this rather than letting consumers just uh, adopt this when it meets their needs. Exactly. You know, there was a there was a policy book that came out a few years ago called Nudge, and the idea was that you know you don't want government forcing change on people, but you but it's okay for government to sort of encourage it in various ways. You know, and you know I think we at IPI would always argue that government policy should be neutral. Government shouldn't be trying to influence people in one direction or another. Clearly, the Biden administration doesn't share that viewpoint, no. right? Uh, but again, there there are there are soft touch things you can do to encourage change and transition, and then there's you know punitive stuff you can do you know. And when a state or an administration decrees that after a certain date no more cars may be able to be sold that have internal combustion engines, that's not a nudge. Mm-hmm. That's a real serious hardcore government forcing function saying we are going to force this change on the American people whether they're ready for it or not. And I think if you go back and look at sort of the political history of the country, a whole lot of political strife has been caused over the year by government deciding to force change on people before they were ready for it, whether it's in an economic area or a social area or a civil rights area or whatever. Uh, Our founders were right to design a system where the people themselves decide what rules they're going to live under and don't have those rules imposed on them, you know, by rulers. And unfortunately, we're leaning far too much in that direction. And again, you know, just for in case there's any doubt, again, we are not opposed to EVs at IPI. We're not opposed to green technologies. We just think that all innovation change, all technological change, all economic change should be driven from the bottom up by markets and consumer demand, not by government force and government mandate. And too often, the folks who are pushing the green revolution, their primary tactic has been 
top-down mandate and top-down force by government mm-hmm. rather than trying to encourage consumers, you know, uh, to adopt, to make reasonable decisions and to adopt technology. And there's a mindset there. We know what's best Absolutely. for you. We know what's best for you, and we're going to force you to do it. We're, this, is the, this is the great sin of the elite, right? We know what's best for you, and uh, you're going to get it, and you're going to get it good, whether you, whether you want it or not. Well, we thank you for joining us for this episode of the Institute for Policy Innovation podcast. We would invite you to check out our website at ipi.org, where you can sign up if you'd like to receive notices of all of our new podcasts, new content, and upcoming events. At our website at ipi.org, you will find a lot of content, primarily by Dr. Matthews, on, uh, on energy policy, uh, green technologies, and the like. If you've enjoyed this podcast, how about giving us a favorable review on iTunes or on your favorite podcast platform? You can also help to sponsor these podcasts by becoming a member of IPI's Giving Society. Thank you for joining us, and we will see you next time. Next time.